Hello, my friend. Welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the eighth day of March. I'm Paul White. I want to give you a little heads up at the beginning of the podcast today. If you are listening with children, maybe you're in the car or you listen at home and you have kids, uh, there'll be some sensitive material in today's podcast. And I just want to give you a heads up. Each parent handle that the way you uh, the way you would like. But I wanted to do you that courtesy because if you've peeked ahead and read the 34th chapter of Genesis, you know that we're getting into some adult material. And by that specifically, of course, is the, the famous story of the rape of Jacob's daughter, Dinah. Dinah is the daughter of Leah, who, of course, was one of Jacob's wives. Dinah goes out at the beginning of the chapter to see the women of the land. That's how the, the, the text is characterized. And so whatever that means, uh, it kind of just sounds like she goes out in public. And whenever she does, she is met by uh, Shechem, the, the son of Hamor, who is the prince of the land, a land named after their family because they're in the land of Shechem. And he sees her in the text, depending on the translation, will say something like he lay with her by force or he humiliated her. Uh, the Hebrew word that gets translated humiliated here is in elsewhere in 2 Samuel is rendered the word violated. So we know it's the word we would use for rape. Uh, we certainly know it when we see the attitudes that comes out of this encounter, both the attitude of uh, those involved and then the attitude of the family members involved as well. This is a a story that's difficult to handle because... We don't really know, when you read stories like this, sometimes you don't know what to do with it in light of the gospel because sexual molestation and rape are real things in any and every era. It's not as if the the Dinah story only exists in some ancient culture or time. No. In fact, what makes the chapter so sort of heart-ripping is that it, has replayed time and again. And it's almost in that light as if it exists in the book of Genesis to show subsequent generations that such terrible violations of people's personal privacy are not new, that they are old, and that they have been eliciting the same kind of responses for years. That doesn't give us any hope doesn't give us any excitement to go, well, oh, well, you know, nothing new. People have been violated for centuries. But it does help us get our mind around the fact that as bad as the world is, and people swear it's worse than it's ever been, I disagree with that, but neither here nor there, there's always been bad. You can find some horrific stories. Sometimes I read some of the old Bible stories and wonder if they exist simply so that we will know our time is not the worst time, that things have been really, really bad before, that maybe if we read those bad stories, we go, oh, okay, well, things are getting better. Well, there's probably more good that we can do with Genesis 34, but I'm not sure what it is. There's so many violations of the heartbeat of God that happen, not only in the chapter in regards to rape, but there's so many violations to God's spirit of covenant. And you know, maybe that's what Genesis 34 is really all about. The fact that just as the covenant is going to be violated, men's trust are going to be violated, 
An entire nation is going to be violated. It's all just a, um, a consequence of the violation of this young woman. And maybe what we need to know is that whenever anyone is violated, God is violated. So Dinah is raped in this chapter, but in truth, so is the covenant symbolism of circumcision. I'm not in any way trying to insinuate that her actual rape was somehow less of a story than the raping of the covenant, but there's certainly an allegorical parallel because whenever Jacob finds out about the rape of Dinah, he doesn't really do anything about it. His sons are out in the field. He leaves it to them. I don't know what that says about Jacob other than maybe we are seeing a man who's transitioning to Israel, who's trying to come up with a better way to deal with this than the rashness that he might have dealt with under Jacob's tenure. But when his sons come in from the field, they are infuriated, as you can imagine. In the meantime, Shechem, Hamor, the father of Shechem, has talked to Jacob about letting the two get married. He says, my son loves your daughter and wants to take care of her, wants to do the right thing. And I don't know if that's an attempt for the story to redeem itself, but whenever the sons of Jacob get back in, the Bible says they answered Shechem and his father deceitfully, which tells us that there's no good intentions in what they're about to do. And what they're about to do is make an agreement with the sons of Shechem that if they will be circumcised, then they'll be able to marry, intermarry between Jacob's sons and the sons of Shechem. In other words, there'll be they'll all be one big happy family. This is a threat to the covenant community, and it's a severe threat to the covenant community because this proposal would have meant the assimilation of Jacob's family into all the surrounding people. You know, instead of just living at Shechem, maybe Jacob should have went back to Bethel in the first place. Bethel was the place where he encountered God. He built an altar there. And house of Bethel, house of God. Maybe rather than building his altar in Shechem, he should have built it at the place of his first revelation. And one of the sad parts to show us that maybe the the depravity is pretty deep is that God is never mentioned in chapter 34, which is pretty rare for the Genesis story. Not a single mention of God. And yet there's this big section on them circumcising Shechem's son. Circumcision was for the people of God who were entering covenant to put circumcision on the sons of Shechem and never introduce them to covenant was a major breach of the covenant. It meant that they were playing with the covenant symbol. It's There's no religious significance in the way that they do it. And when they get the sons of Shechem circumcised on the third day, when they're very sore, they go in, the young men can't move, and they pull their swords and they kill all of them. The carnage and the bloodshed that ends up coming out of this 34th chapter is worse than it would have been under the Mosaic law. Not not even under the law would, would Hamor have been killed for raping Dinah. And yet that's sowing to the wind and weeping to the whirlwind. So I don't know what to do necessarily with this terrible story, except what happens to Dinah happens to God, and that hasn't changed. What happens to you happens to him. And what it will do is force Jacob back to where he should go. Maybe sometimes 
we have to have an enormous amount of loss before we realize where we need to be. Well, we're going to go with him back to Bethel in Genesis 35 tomorrow. See you then. God bless.